0: Does manual treasury management and operations have your crypto business stuck in the slow lane? Scale up and speed ahead with Fireblocks, the number one platform for crypto operations and trading pros that makes custody, settlement and rebalancing quick and easy. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime, an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and Prime services to manage all of their crypto assets in one place. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Learn more by visiting coinbase.com prime to get started today. Eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust, Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Shaparo, Director of News at The Block. And today we are very lucky because we have a return guest, so I guess we didn't scare him off. We have the man behind Ave, Stani Kolikov. Stani, thanks so much for joining us. We're glad to have you back. We're glad to have you drop some news. There's a lot that's been going on under the hood. At Ave, aside from the Raves, what's the latest?
1: Well, there are a lot of things. Definitely, there is a new rave coming, and it's going to be during the end of the Eve Amsterdam Hackathon. So that's definitely a new progression there.
0: A lot of progression on the rave side.
1: I, I want you there, Frank. I want you there. It's, uh...
0: <laughs> so, so for the listeners, that is that is a rave, but an Ave rave.
1: That is a rave. That's um, I think we have roughly from six to eight hundred people in rave. So it's just fascinating to see how people are either into rave or into raving. So you know we put these two cultures together and became rave and essentially uh, something that is a lot of fun for us.
0: It sounds a little intimidating. I'm not going to lie, but um, <laughs> we'll get to the raves in a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about. Okay, here we are, the launch of V3 of the Ave Liquidity Protocol. Let's talk about it. Why is this significant? Why should people care?
1: Yeah, I mean, Ave Protocol has been built for now a few years, and and it has already kind of like legacy mindshare, even back in those ETHLAND uh, days that we, we started to experiment. And I think we got into the point with the previous version that we were thinking that DeFi definitely will scale. There is a lot of value locked in the system. And we kind of were thinking like how we can make most out of what we're building and bring a lot of safety here. And at the same time, a lot of efficiency. So so the two main things we brought up as a topic for the new protocol is that we try to build something that is as capital efficient as possible mm. because essentially liquidity runs in DeFi. But second thing is as risk-averse protocol as possible. So we focused on mitigating risk and making the other protocol, previous version, more capital efficient. So those were the kind of like a main drivers.
0: Got it. So there's more capital efficiency. There's parameters to sort of decrease risk. I'm sure you worked with the gauntlet folks around that. How much more capital efficient? How much less risky? Can you kind of characterize that for us?
1: Definitely. I will probably start from the risk side more because it's usually the more boring topic, but we try to make kind of like risk averse protocol as sexy as possible. And the way we envisioned it, we want the protocol to scale in terms of like how many assets could be listed in the future. And essentially we believe that more and more things and communities, they have tokenizations and those Tokens can be part of deposited into the the other protocols. So essentially, the first thing we we added is caps in terms of how much you can supply particular different assets, but also how much you can borrow. So typical debt and and supply caps. But another thing we we added is that many of these communities, when they have cryptographic assets that they govern their community or a protocol or whatever it is, it usually starts in a short period of time so for example there might be a lot of community support to towards an asset and a lot of enthusiasm to list a particular asset into the other protocol uh, to get most value out of it and even earn interest but the challenge is that a new asset might have still a lot of volatility and also a unpredictable roadmap and we created this so-called isolation mode where New assets could be listed relatively quickly if the community wants to do so, but can be listed in an isolation mode, essentially meaning that if that asset is supplied as an isolated asset, it means that you can only borrow against that particular asset by using it as a collateral, but you can't use your other assets. So if something happens with that particular asset, it doesn't reflect to to the whole protocol pool it's only endangering the the capital you're borrowing against. So that's kind of like the main ingredient there in terms of the risk averseness. And the capital efficiency comes on the other side with the so-called high efficiency mode, we call it E-mode, which means that with certain assets that correlate with each other, for example, you have one stable coin such as DAI and and USDC you could borrow against 98% loan to value ratio similarly you have very high loan to value ratio with depositing staked ETH and and borrowing ETH so essentially like assets that are moving together in the same price range can enjoy this more efficient capital mode
0: so you've got a lot of things sort of going on here right implementing gas optimization, there's the risk management improvements, there's this high efficiency mode, allowing borrowers to basically get as much borrowing power out of what they put in as collateral into the system as possible. But there's all these parameters that go into fine tuning each of these elements, and it's all community driven. So I think this is an interesting opportunity to unpack how decisions are made on really granular DeFi parameters because this is a question that a lot of people ask how can we be successful as a decentralized world how can we incentivize participation in these very complex granular thorny questions because looking from the outside, it seems very complicated. And even in the traditional world, it's hard to get people to weigh in on things as simple as corporate board seats or executive exits or hires. So how would you sort of walk us through like just the day in and day out? Like, were there any hotly contested debates over maybe, you know, the gas fee optimization aspect and? Did you have certain parties kind of arguing that risk should be focused on more or capital efficiency should be focused on more? Walk us through that.
1: Yeah, I mean, both of the topics, like when you go towards more capital efficiency, you might sacrifice the the kind of like a risk aspect of it. But the way we usually try to engineer protocols at Aave, when we look like as a system as a whole, we try to kind of like maybe have a bit of like the both sides, but in siloed. So I think the isolation mode is a good example where we introduce more liquidity, but at the same time, that risk is isolated and user group that wants to actually participate in, in the risk factor. And just to go even back and thinking of all of these risk parameters, I think from outside perspective, Yes, it is like a lot of parameters that are, are involved. Every single asset has their loan to values. And now with the supply cap, the borrow caps, and also the interest rate curve. So there's a lot of parameters involved. And from outside perspective, it looks complex, even from finance field. For me, what has been very fascinating is that within the Aave community, and in general in DeFi, looking at all of these communities are being a bunch of nerds coming together with different backgrounds and arguing about parameters and how well these systems have been resilient to different kind of market fluctuations and been working well and i think part of that is because of the decentralization that let's say uh, there's enough incentives for liquidators to come and keep the network solvent there's enough incentives to come and talk about those parameters I don't think we're still in the position where we should be, where we should have multiple entities actually providing their proposals to the other DAO uh, for risk parameter services and kind of like competing on them. And the governance can actually choose that, okay, there's definitely competition and based on all of this review, maybe this service provider can actually do the work better. So the... We're still early, so there's definitely not that kind of like ecosystem, but that's where we're going towards, and that's where we have this kind of competition of providing better services to DAOs. But for example, regarding the risk parameters in general, it's definitely very opinionated in the sense that some folks in the Aave team, in the community, are very much into decreasing risk. And some are more about Wow, this is a new community. Like, how we can get them quickly involved in the other community? The asset listed, and we get them utility for that asset, and so forth. So, like, there's always like this combining forces, and I think it's the the core other community that is more risk averse, and then there's more of other community members coming in and pushing this proposal. Hey, list list this asset. This is just like so amazing project. So definitely like, there's this kind of like a battle going all the time.
0: There's this tug and pull between people who really want to protect and safeguard what you guys have built and folks who kind of want to get get really out there on the risk curve.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I don't think people realize like how important the risk is because when we built the, the version one of the other Protocol, we were expecting to have maybe 20, 30 million worth of value locked in, in the contracts. And then it ended up having 100 million or so. But like the same with the other version two, we were planning maybe having 100 million. It ended up having 800 million in the smart contracts. And well, actually, other version two, it has. Uh, just to correct me, it has like been fluctuating from 10 billion to 15 billion worth of value log. So it was designed for something very smaller. The V two, V one, the V three, we we basically started to actually think in scale and thinking that, you know, at some point the other protocol might be as reachable as HTTPS or IP protocol in terms of like directly or indirectly as a finance protocol. And in this stage, we were actually understanding that how important the risk factor is and, and pushing a bit back. And I think everyone in the community has been like wider DeFi community has similar view, especially when we saw like bigger exploits and kind of like this, this issues. And we understand that the stakes are getting higher and higher. So we have to become a more risk averse.
0: Yeah, the stakes are certainly getting a lot higher and it's pretty scary. Like it's something that people from the outside looking in might think, okay, isn't this supposed to be better than traditional finance? Isn't there more transparency? Isn't it more efficient? Isn't it more peer-to-peer or decentralized? Yet there's much more technical risk, and so I guess the big hurdle for folks like Ave is shoring up that technical risk. Exactly. You know, without losing sight of decentralization or making it open. I mean, that's what this is, right? Open finance.
1: Exactly, and I think uh, it definitely is like a very science on how to build resilient contracts but end of the day everything is still early the tools to use to actually find issues in in the protocols or for example um, simple things like finding auditing time for whatever you build is very scarce these days and, and more and more smart contracts are deployed into the like internet of smart contracts and The challenge here is that we somehow need to figure out a scalable way of applying security, maybe some sort of kind of like a smart contract-based firewall approach or curation, I would say. What we actually have in DeFi is also incredible because we have this market transparency, so we can see where we need to fix if something breaks, or we see also activity that maybe Is unexpected at the same time, but that all the transparency actually brings the opportunity to create those risk mitigation tools that couldn't exist before because you didn't have the data available. So, for example, if you look back into the 2008 financial crisis, it's very difficult to quantify, measure risk and the impact when you don't know how much the financial system is exposed to a particular asset type, and especially banks that are trading with each other. It's very hard to find exposure and quantify it. And in this intense finance, you can quantify the exposure every single second, but also by anyone, any person in the world. So meaning that someone, some part of the world could actually create a very good risk quantification and mitigation tool and then apply it into the other governance and across the whole ecosystem. So in one way, the benefits definitely are there but also like we're growing so fast and building this tech is so slow so it's kind of like there isn't yet meet me in the middle happening
0: having trouble keeping pace with the crypto boom when your business is scaling up and your portfolio is growing you don't want to waste precious time on manual treasury management or settling and rebalancing fireblocks can handle that for you with smart scalable solutions for your crypto business along with industry leading security and expertise they'll take care of the back end so you can focus on the big picture visit fireblocks.com to learn more this episode is brought to you by coinbase prime an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and Prime services to manage all their crypto assets in one place. Coinbase Prime fully integrates crypto trading and custody on a single platform and gives clients the best all-in pricing in their network using their proprietary smart order router and algorithmic execution. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have already used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Build a unified investment portfolio with one of the most trusted names in crypto. Learn more by visiting Coinbase.com Prime to get started today. Are you eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis is here to help. Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Gain unparalleled visibility and maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com now. So, Stani, what type of new markets can we expect to spring out of this new foundation that we have?
1: Yeah, I think with the Aave version tree, what especially is interesting for me is that when you can go very high leverage with your assets. So, for example, if you have one stable coin as a collateral, if there will be another stable coin that is pegged to euro or pegged to something else. You could actually go very high leverage and have this kind of like effects trading on the uh, AAVE protocol, and also like with the isolation mode, you can create kind of like a micro markets within within AAVE with the smaller depth caps. But also like for example, you could list a token that is very early, but just have very low supply and borrow cap, and also list it in isolation. But also we added a significantly interesting feature in terms of risk that is called this risk admin feature. So listing assets, changing the interest rate curve can be delegated to some other entity. So for example, it can be delegated to another smart contract that can have some sort of staking logic, which increases the caps or the changes the interest rate curve. But also one last kind of a feature I want to show is the portable because essentially av 3 creates this kind of ability for a so-called ports and a port can be a bridge or it can be someone else to mint unbacked a tokens to a depth gap let's say up to five or ten million mm. and then burn it as well so essentially a bridge can mint a tokens in another network and burn them on another one and essentially under the hood, it happens, but what you can build on top is that you could deposit into the Ethereum market, but then at the same time borrow from the Polygon market and, and repay in other networks. So you have this kind of like a cross-chain interoperability. And, and that system is capped based on who can mint and how much, but also it's something that the safety module covers it as well. So it's kind of like an interesting additional feature and it's a bit of like a under-collateralized loan for those uh, entities.
0: Do you think that increasing the borrowing power to an extent will help provide additional protections during periods of high volatility and prevent liquidations during those types of periods? No, I
1: think when it comes with uh, borrowing a stable asset against volatile In those cases, the risk parameters should shift to a more conservative approach. So this is, interestingly, what Gauntlet's model and and their kind of like a service that they provide to the Abedal is that they're switching those risk parameters back and forth. So when the market is a bit more upstream, you can adjust the parameters to get more out of your collateral in terms of borrowing power, but then as the market is, coming down, you should add more cushing. The tricky part is that now with today's kind of like a structure, and because this kind of like a risk admin feature isn't delegated to a more simplified smart contract, is that you need the governance, the other governance to come together and vote on those parameters. But if those could be done a bit more proactively without the full governance involvement, let's say between certain threshold, Those risk parameters could be actually even updated on a daily basis efficiently.
0: What does this mean for the institutional side of things? Obviously, that's a bit of a focal point for you folks. Can this get institutions more keen to use or operate on the protocol?
1: Our baseline approach is that DeFi is here. You know, it's accessible. These protocols, they have few audits, especially with our protocol. And, you know, we have the economical risk modeling as well, liquidity market risk and so forth. So, like there's enough documentation to kind of like support the argument that the other protocol could be a um, interesting tool for institutions as well. And it's accessible because when we build protocols, we usually build in a scalable like institutional grade. And DeFi is not like that because DeFi is a open ocean in the sense that you can build anything to different kinds of extents with different skill sets so for some builders it's experimentation sandbox and for us it's also kind of like that we understand that these protocols can scale in the future for us we have two kind of interesting markets for like more institutions is the uh, the arc market which is kind of like a permissioned implementation of the avp2 market where there's so-called whitelister functionality for example fireblocks and recently siba bank was listed as one of the mm-hmm. whitelisters so they can whitelist their users that want to interact with the protocol and they have their own kind of like a compliance process and that's for us a bit more like a uh, sandbox approach of getting institutions into defi so they have kind of like a comfortable area and then we have the rwa market. that's right which is more about for the real world asset that's kind of another approach
0: you must have some sort of like mind reading device because that's exactly what i was going to ask you first off maybe we can double click on the rwa and how that's been progressing but does this add a bit more oomph or a bit more fuel to the fire
1: yeah and I, i think like RWA market is fascinating because it's an implementation that was done with the Centrifuge team and they have this kind of like a fascinating vision of trying to tokenize the assets which might be like different kinds of real world assets and getting them into this permissionless blockchain environment even just into a on-chain ecosystem as a first kind of like implementation and there what's kind of like excites is that once you kind of like scale that market a bit more and you have various assets that you can list, different real world assets, you can scale that quite nicely asset-wide and then the liquidity can actually move from one one asset to another and, and it's very fascinating arbitrage opportunity. But then the difficult part is actually getting that real world objects into that on chain value ecosystem. That's where like most slow ads in the uh, Web3 space. But also it's not a um, practice where you need to have speed because, you know, once you have one asset, one real world asset, you prove its existence, you move to the next one. And just taking as an example, USDC is probably one of the most scaled real world assets in the Web3 ecosystem. It's pretty much balanced in a database that corresponds cash or part of the cash. I really believe the RWA will scale, but to actually realize that it will take maybe a year or two when we actually realize that, wow, what we're having here is quite, quite interesting.
0: I never really thought of it like that, but obviously dollars are kind of a real world asset to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. DeFi is kind of waiting in the wings still in terms of having the spotlight. What's gonna get DeFi to really get back? When are we gonna have another summer? What's it gonna take?
1: I've been thinking this question quite a lot, and obviously at Aave we have an interesting roadmap coming. There's things that we're building and we want to build, and looking quite a lot into the future. I think like what's going to be most fascinating is when we have some sort of system or financial protocol, part of a financial protocol where you will have users that actually any part of the world, they want to generate a cryptocurrency address. And based on that, they're basically getting value and then they can interact with that value. So I think like DeFi has done amazing work in terms of proving compatibility and interoperability between different kinds of protocols and products out there. And also accessibility, of course, like that's permissionless environment. It's like an ocean, you find a port and go deep into the ocean and transparency, of course, but then it's fascinating for those who have that value so they can generate that capital and increase it. But the most impactful DeFi comes when the fact that you are a human in any part of the world with DeFi, you can actually start trading value and also like you have value because who you are globally. So it's something that is definitely very difficult to grasp in a permissions environment. But as a distribution system, DeFi is amazing because the thing you need is actually an internet and ability to generate an address. Then it's up to How you generate that value or so. So I think that's where we see, like, maybe we'll see a couple of interesting innovations before that, and we have maybe a couple of DeFi Summers. But ultimately, my personal goal is that if we get somewhere to that aspect where DeFi actually has an impact when you don't have wealth, that will be the path we should go towards.
0: And I think part of what will spur adoption, is a continued integration of layer twos. Yeah. Which you kind of see in this announcement. Yeah, I mean,
1: Aave V3, I never seen anything being done the way we did it. So we we just deployed everything over six different networks and the version three, and none of these networks was actually, if you look closely, the deployments wasn't Ethereum. So Ethereum market is V2, rest of the networks we have uh, with, with three markets, including layer 2s like Optimism and Arbitrum, and also the other networks. I, what I realize is that when the transactioning cost goes down a lot, we see a lot of adoption and we have more users in those other networks, than, like per network, than we have in the main Ethereum network. I mean, at some point, the main network will be upgraded with the community and everything from v2 to v3 but for the time being we see more and more adoption coming to those layer twos i don't see a way we go back to ethereum and transact mostly there and just to give some example i mean i was born and raised in ethereum i started from there building and i just see where the adoption is
0: going towards it's a good take interesting take well stani always appreciate you stopping by, chatting with us here at The Scoop. Congrats on V3. Hopefully, we'll have you again soon. Hopefully, you'll be able to convince me to come to one of the Raves.
1: I hope so. Amsterdam
0: is next month. Maybe that's why everyone's participating in governance. They don't want to get uninvited to the Raves.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's part of our adoption strategy you know, bring a new non-crypto friend to Rave and we will grow as a community.
0: I love it. Well, where can we learn more about maybe uh, V3 and maybe about the Raves?
1: Aave.com is, is a good resource. It's informational resource where you can learn of different kinds of markets, the ecosystem. Governance at Aave.com is a place to interact with the community, make proposals, argue with different proposals, and also like, get community sentiment so those places and of course following abe on twitter
0: thank you so much well sir we'll talk to you soon thanks again for coming on the show ladies and gentlemen we'll be back with you again with another great guest have an amazing day everybody